Welcome to a new era of Flop Stars, season three. If you've joined us for the previous two seasons, it's much the same. We'll take an album that we feel was criminally underrated or ignored on the charts and unpack it. We've taken on Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, and more in the past, and there's plenty more where that came from. First up is Zara Larson's 2017 debut album, So Good. It was a long road leading up to the album, filled with many hits, but the album failed to give her anything as big as Lush Life to add to her arsenal. With the second album on the horizon, it's the perfect time to chat all things Zara. Good morning to you, Nick, and good afternoon to me, and welcome to the first episode of Series 3. They said we'd never make it. They said we'd never make it, and we were running out of albums, and then we realised there's a heap more albums, and now we have too many <laughs> albums to go through a season They said three. we would never make it, and uh, they were almost right. But... <laughs> no, we're really We've excited to be back. Thanks to, thanks to everyone who checked out the uh, season two wrapped episodes, wrapping up 2020. We've got some lovely thoughts on that. Thank you to those who noticed the audio issue as it was uploaded last week. That was a particularly... Um, wonderful bit of feedback to get that. Yeah, and it was very fun to listen to us with 20 <laughs> second gaps in between things and then just talking over each other, which is basically what <laughs> happens in the um, the well-edited audio, but it, it was fun to <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm really excited that we're doing this one. Um, as you noted just before we started the show, the, the podcast I used to do before migrating over here to Flopstar's territory um, was yeah, the Project U podcast for my old blog. And we did a Zara Larson update once a week. So the idea of actually getting to dive into Zara um, for an extended period is very exciting to me because she is one of my favourite pop stars to ever live. Um, yet there are some, you know, there's been some moves and some decisions over the Zara journey that maybe haven't made her the pop star she possibly could be in 2021. And I think that's about to turn a corner, hopefully, but I'm excited to go back on this album and, and review it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do it with you. I think, obviously, you're the mega fan here, but I am a Zara fan too, and I like the mm. album, and I have some thoughts on the album. And I also have some thoughts on Zara's career since the album as well. So I think this will, uh, usually we kind of focus on one album and we definitely will focus on So Good, the album. But I think in the context of Zara and where she's going with this new Poster Girl record, it's important to also talk about what's led up to that. So we're also going to chat about all the songs that she's released since the album and just generally have a good chinwag about Zara. I'm excited. Where do we start with her? Because she has basically been in the public eye, at least in her native Sweden, for, you know, the, more than half her life um, for a very yeah. extended period of time. Um, when she was 10, she won the 2008 season of Sweden's Got Talent uh, called, I think it's Talang. Um, so that's a that's an extensive time in the public eye. When we first kind of met her was around Lush Life, the single, um, which we over here kind of found around probably 2014, 15, um, yeah. or, originally coming out around 2013 when she was about 16, 17. So we've, we've known her since she was a kid. Um, do you remember your first discovery of Zara and what you thought in the early days? Yeah, I think it was Lush Life. I think that was the first one. And I remember hearing it um, and thinking it was very good and being quite 
um, surprised when it ended up on Australian radio because the, often Australia doesn't tend to dig too, too much before <laughs> they arrive on something, but they arrived on Zara and I feel like Australia was one of the first markets to break it. Am I, am I right in saying that? You are right. Apart from yeah, Sweden, I think obviously. outside of Sweden. Yeah, yeah, Sweden, and it, and look at it already. It, this was the very early days where radio was starting to look at streaming numbers, and the streaming numbers on Lush yeah. Life were completely out of this world. It was it was a mega hit already before it got to radio. I think it may have already been at a hundred million before it hit radio in Australia, which is an wow. insane amount of of streams to come out of just kind of European radio push um yeah i remember being in the radio biz when lush life came out and it being a real breath of fresh air to be honest i think at the time it, we were kind of entering a bit of an r&b cycle a bit of a hip-hop cycle i think the big artists on the radio at the time would, yeah. would were drake um bieber was kind of doing the dancey stuff but again it kind of felt dark there was a lot of moody kind of music on the radio at the time this was around the time adele um had hello as a, a huge hit as well um so there was a lot yeah. of very moody music on the radio and so it was really a wonderful breath of of fresh air and sunshine that I think had been missing from from the radio for quite a while and then obviously that caught on across the rest of the world as well and actually made a complete mega hit and for a Swedish pop star you know who was a relative unknown and, and I would say remains a relative unknown in the in the mainstream um you know that was such a such a special and exciting thing to see a, a fun sugary pop hit back on the radio which is what Zara gave like in the early in the early days with that and never forget you as well they were they were like just big happy bursting pop songs and you're right it's not what was happening at the time and obviously it's it's no surprise that it came from Sweden where they've always kind of stuck to that pop blueprint and don't deviate too much into the like R&B and hip hop thing. But I think it's also interesting you say that because what we see after the lush life and never forget you success is this kind of tug of war with Zara and whether she sticks in that pop lane or whether she tries and blends in some of those hip hop rap R&B influences, which I think has been the tussle of her entire career about what to do like do you stay with the thing that made you successful knowing that you're completely going against the grain of what's on the radio or do you try and see if you can go into that lane and operate in both and I think it's I think it's created some of the biggest hurdles for her personally and I think she's won some of the battles and I think maybe hasn't won the others what what are your thoughts on where she went particularly I'm jumping forward a little bit because we do need to go back and discuss never forget you but just off the the hip-hop point what do you think about that no i think you're absolutely right i think this was around the time where you also had girl bands like fifth harmony and little mix kind of doing every song with a rapper and and sort of doing the same thing and having that exact same tug of war making their hard-hitting kind of pop songs but also trying to bring in a little bit of I, i suppose what at the time was probably a slightly misogynistic thought but the credibility of having a you know a male rapper a tight dollar sign or a tiny temper in zara larson's case um there was probably yeah. a bit of that going on in the record industry i don't think zara's sitting there going i need a man on my record to make it credible no. it's just the way that these ridiculous record machines were running for a couple of years and in some ways continue to do so um so i think that probably brought her into a little bit more of a you know there was sort of some, a lot of dance hall 
sort of influence on on so good and and the songs leading yeah. into so good if you listen to girls like it's sort of got that you know um and then obviously it was reappropriated in Swish Swish by Katy Perry, that sort of half dance hall, half sort of and then housey again in thing. Sour Candy by Carl. Yes, yeah, exactly. That bouncy kind of you know, that bouncy kind of dance hall feel. Um, yeah, it, it kind of just sort of it feels like it stumbled into that R and B influenced and even dance hall influenced territory and didn't really know where to kind of go from there and get back into the pop pop lane as well and obviously that's just her taste evolving lush life was the early days but the album you know yeah. stepped more into into edm and into hip-hop um so yeah but, but I, I just don't know if it ever found an end point of bringing those yeah. influences in it felt like everything had a smattering of that but it was only sort of just touching the surface of what she wanted the records to sound like because by the time the album arrived officially it There'd already been five singles from the album. So you had Lush Life and Never Forget You, which were obviously very early hits. Um, and then I Would Like was a big hit in Australia and I think in the UK as well. Um, and then you kind of got, after a while, she announced the album and So Good was the lead single and the title track of the album, obviously. Um, which for me was a bit of a like left left centre choice for her. When you think of where she was finding her hits, which was in those big pop moments, and I think around the same time she had Symphony with Clean Bandit, which is as pop as you can get and as euphoric as you can get, to then come through with So Good was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. And that was the real tug of war that I think's almost been going on the entire time Zara's been in the public eye. And I think it's something yeah. that's continued to go on. Um, is is what is she sonically? We know what she is from a personality perspective. We know what she is thematically in terms of what she talks about on the music. But yeah, I think there's continued to be this this question of what does the music actually sound like? And I'm hoping on Poster Girl we get a little bit more of an understanding of what that is. Yeah. What I've got from the first few singles, I'm not. 100% sure I know what it is but I'm excited by it nonetheless because it yeah. feels like it could be going more into that hip hop kind of territory and I'm happy with that as well as whether it turns into another dance pop record look I think she does it well like I think she's got a phenomenal voice which mm. helps her with everything and a voice that almost lends itself better to the soulful moments like Ain't My Fold or, um, or So Good it's just like sometimes you kind of divide the fan base when you've got these really sugary pop moments and then you've got those other moments. And like sometimes it can be a, a curse to be able to do everything because it means you have to explore everything. And looking at the album as a whole, you think it was put together over like a very, very long time. Yeah. And Lush Life Zara is a completely different person to what Ain't My Fault or So Good Zara is. And I get the feeling that with the album she was caught in this kind of middle land where she was doing well with old songs and also trying to push on with a new record. And it's difficult. Like we saw it with Lizzo last year with Cause I Love You, trying to push singles from that album while songs that are like three years old are blowing up. And yeah. it kind of stunts your development in a way because people, you're not allowed that time to grow. And I think the thing with that, the thing that's going to lend well into this second album is that she finally gets a chance to put together a project that's cohesive 
and is what she really wants it to be without having to look back five years before it and and pick up songs from that because they're doing well you know like yeah. she's got a clean slate i think that's not to say that this album is bad at all it's actually very good and yeah it never really misses to be honest but um you do get the feeling that Zara was being pulled in a couple of different directions Mm -hmm. and she's very talented and very capable of making an excellent pop record that's very cohesive um and I think that's going to come but for the I mean for the purpose of this episode, we kind of have to pull apart all the tracks separately and talk about them separately because they all exist in different lands mm-hmm. and they're all great in their own right. Um, just interesting when they come together on an album. Yeah, I think it is. And I think owing to, to what you were saying about, you know, it, it feeling a little bit like she was being pulled in a few different directions, I think a lot of that probably lends itself to the fact that Still around five years ago, records weren't breaking globally at the same time. It was Spotfire yeah. here, leads to a Spotfire here, leads to a Spotfire there. Whereas now the hits are breaking a little bit more on a global scale. At least pop hits are. Um, yeah. And I think potentially she was facing, you know, her her record deal was out of uh, done out of out of America, but she also had you know on the ground support in Europe, and I think Europe probably wanted her to go in more of a you know, hip hoppy sort of influence pop direction. Whereas the Australia kind of understood the pop stuff and we needed the pop stuff because we'd been yeah, so definitely. early on the R and B cycle on radio. So yeah, there's probably a few different sort of directions that she's being pulled in. The songs, um, she doesn't have a, a stack of writing credits on, on the album, um, nor on the new music as well. So I think a lot of this is, you know, it's, it's placements and it's, you know, songs being pitched to her and her just kind of going yeah. with what feels right, which I think sometimes yeah. when when you're not the, and this is no not saying you need to be a writer to make a great pop album. We've explored that many a time, but I think with Zara, she's such a smart, she's such a smart and opinionated and sophisticated person. I would love yeah. to see her in the room for these, for more of the songs on these records, yeah. because I think she's got the propensity to be an excellent songwriter. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, you look at something like So Good, which is a Charlie Puth and Jay Cash record, and then you've got, you know, just all these random names popping up on, on each of the songs on this album. And I think that is where a lot of cohesion can be lost sometimes um, in the new world of pop. I think to that point, I read that there is a different production team on every single song on this album. Mm. I think. You're going to have an element of, of, dis- of, of disparity between the songs yeah. with that. But, but then think about like early records from Britney Spears or Rihanna or anyone like that. And that cohesion was hardly something that you would compliment them with. They, yeah. they were trying to find their feet. And I guess she, like she took the time to kind of try out different styles. She's lucky that she's so charismatic and so mm. instantly likable that she can, she can come across really well on on a broad range of genres. She can basically try everything and she did try everything. And there's nothing that I'm thinking of on this album that's like she shouldn't have done that. Like that's not for her. Yeah. That she yeah. she could like she can go as far as like Ed Sheeran ballad territory or like Anne Marie ballad territory. And then she can yep. go as far to the other side as like Drake flavoured um like R&B, dancehall, hip-hop kind of thing. And then in the middle, she's got what I think is her sweet spot, which is just like 
all out full throttle pop lush life i would like um those kind of moments yep I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, looking at those different writing teams on those songs, I think the ideas are there and I think the lyrical ideas are there. I think um, something like Make That Money Girl, I think is like, you know, the idea was there, but the execution maybe wasn't. But I think... I knew you weren't going to like that one. That's my favourite. Are you joking? <laughs> wow. Like, again, nothing on this album is a bad song. It. It just I remember feels being a... cross at you guys on the podcast for ditching, <laughs> dissing that. <laughs> now I finally get my rebuttal. Look, I just... <laughs> you've been waiting five years for this. <laughs> I, I just think... Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think that is an example of where the lyrical ideas were there, but the song's being yeah. given to her by someone else and, you know... I feel like she has more to say and we know that from the interviews and the tweets and just her general personality. She is an opinionated and I mean that in a very, very good way. Um, you know, we know what she stands for and I'm excited by the idea yeah. of Poster Girl being the opportunity for her to speak a little bit more openly and more forthright about how she actually feels about things like feminism. Um, because, yeah. you know, we get that in the I- verbal conversations. I'd love to hear it more in the music. I think we'll definitely talk about this a lot later, but I see the, like, the... What's the right word? I don't want to say the screws loosening because that sounds like she's going off the track, but she is becoming a little more unhinged in her music, and I think you see that in the (laughs) vocal performance on Love Me Land, which is so wild and just so, like, let loose. And even the lyrics, she's trying different things. She's playing with different words with um, Justin Tranter and Julia Michaels on that one. And uh, she's having fun, and that, to me... Like, I know that record was divisive, but I think it's amazing, like, incredible, and a really, like, strong depiction of exactly what she can do. Everything from the way she sings in the verses to the way she danced just herself in the video clip, like, demonstrates to me a pop star that's finding the confidence to know who she is and also finding the confidence to try out some things. And I think that's what this album doesn't miss is uh, doesn't have is the riskiness that she's kind of adopting now which i think Mm. is really exciting i think artists are allowed to have time to build to that as well i want to i want to i want to mention nah i think immediately (laughs) (laughs) there's often conversations fully conceived from (laughs) behind the scenes i think you know often labels and stuff will be like you know keep making the songs keep making this and they don't put them out until they're at a point where they feel fully realized i don't like subscribing to that i think you don't get the honesty of an artist if you're waiting and waiting and waiting and throwing songs in the bin until you get something that feels like it's fully realized and i think it's part of following an artist's journey as a fan as you see these kind of songs that are leading towards something and then she comes back with a love me land and it's like boom there we go that's exactly what she was leading towards with all of those different influences on so good all there on that one song vocal gymnastics bit of dance hall bit of edm in there bit of hip-hop yeah um anti-choruses like yeah there's there's so many so many different influences on that particular track which is again why i'm very excited for poster boy to come out because i'm keen to see yeah that development and how much that's kind of um manifested into into the new album yeah I think that's a good way to go into our first game where we're directly going to look at Zara's first album versus everything she's done 
afterwards. So, but for the first song game of the season, we're going to put up a song against the album against the song that she's released since. So, the first one we're going to do is Lush Life, obviously the big kind of introductory single from this album. Versus Ruin My Life, which I believe was the first one to come after the album. Yes, I'm fairly sure you are correct on that matter. Um, The other day I saw a uh, busker in my hometown uh, performing Ruin My Life. And I got $20 out of the ATM and gave it to her. Just Did you for actually? Singing. Yes, just for singing. Was it like an acoustic version? Yeah, it was an acoustic version. She was really I good. I want you to ruin, ruin my life. But she was doing it that fast. I want, like, but like with an acoustic guitar, but still singing oh, with it really speedily. Ta- oh, okay. I was thinking yeah. folklore. This is I was more very- like Ed Sheeran <laughs> alone with his guitar in a stadium. <laughs> Tapping away at it, looping it. God, no. No. And she was doing a really good job. Anyway, so the, the challenge is between Lush Life and the and ruin my version life. of Ruin My Life. <laughs> this is a hard one. I, I think Ruin My Life I love and I still go back to and think, yeah, this is a really, really good bridging moment. Yeah. I'm going to have to say Lush Life, though. It's the OG. Yeah. It was the intro for it us is. all. It's perfect pop music. It's definitely going to be Lush Life for me. I hated Ruin My Life the first time I heard it. Couldn't understand why on earth they would release such a like meddling mid-tempo song um, for, a, for an artist who was kind of at the peak of her powers and coming off a pretty successful album. Mm. However, and I think this is the... Um, the journey that most people have had with it. It just kept growing and growing and growing and it was suddenly much more than a than just a middle-of-the-road mid-tempo. That chorus yeah. is amazing and just like the absolute destructiveness and chaotic energy that that song provides has really won me over in the end. And I think I'm saying this because it's the more recent of the two and Lush Life has just been flogged to death on radio, particularly in Australia. But I think I've got to go ruin my life on this Wow. That's a, that's a journey. That's a journey to ruin journey. my life. It's my story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't... I'm not anti... I'm not anti-ruin my life. Don't get me wrong. I think there's just something so lovely and unadulted about Lush Life. That yeah. brings me, that gravitates me towards that decision. Definitely. Okay, the next one is this one's a really hard one. Never forget you, feet MNEK. Versus all the time. I'll correct you there, it was our and MNEK. It was a. Sorry, and one of the early and songs when people weren't using featuring. Um, and I believe it may have even been a many K and Zara Larson, but like it was still a 50-50 track. Yeah, I feel like it was. I might yeah. be wrong. Who was knows? it an K single almost? Yeah, I think it was. Maybe. Because it was anyway, just coming off. They both did their thing. They can both have yeah. 50-50. Anyway. God, that was a good song. Never forget you. Wow. Number three it peaked out in Australia, which is amazing. Yeah, I remember it absolutely being flogged here. Yeah. And then what's oh here, I'm in America. It wasn't flogged here. <laughs> um, but it actually did quite well here. It's it was the only mm. top thirty single she's had here. Wow. Um, yeah, which is surprising because for me it sounds like the least 
American record. She's hard. It's extremely yeah. like um, very British, extremely MNEK production. Um, but I mean, yeah, was so. Parked it's never forget you versus all the time. Correct. All the time, never forget you is magic, and I think their voices together, you know, have their voices together and a frenetic beat has the potential to be a bit too much. But I don't know yeah. how they did it; they just got it perfect. They just got that combination perfect. It, it that builds song so beautifully. Is literally too much, and it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that beat could not be any more frantic. Ah, no. ah, it's and a their vocals it's a, it's, are like full flight. Yeah. The whole thing is just so full on. It never stops. And it's like 180 BPM. So I, you have to give points for Never Forget You for just the feat of getting the mix right on that because that would have taken so long to get perfect. Um, and and obviously you've got to give it credit for what it's done from a chart perspective as well. And it was a daring kind of song sonically as well. Yeah. But let's talk about all the time. I mean... It's criminally underrated. And we say criminally underrated a bit, but I would dare say it's up there with top five most criminally underrated pop songs of all time in terms of, like, there's no reason why it shouldn't have worked. There's no reason why... There's there's no sensible reason as to why that song didn't smash in at least one market, in at least a UK, or at least Australia. I get it. I kind of get it not being edgy enough for the US, maybe... But I had to hit somewhere and it just did not work. It's perfect pop. That Daft Punk sampler is interpolated so perfectly. That is the a, a phenomenal hook. The video is magic. It's so camp and so glitzy and perfect pop. It's just a great, great pop record and will remain one of the most underrated records um, of all time. So I'm going to put that as my pick all the time. Wow. What a victory speech. Thank you. I that was very the Grammy good. For, very I should have good. accepted the six Grammys it deserved. <laughs> I actually disagree with you. I think it's horrendous. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm wanted to see your face. You literally looked like you were about to pass out. I'm going to punch you. Is that what, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of Zoom violence. <laughs> Imagine how much more successful Storm in the Capitol would have been if they could have done it via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> we are the um, stars Antifa. <laughs> okay, back to um, all the time. No, I think it is. You're exactly right. Everything about it was perfect. I don't know if it was just because she'd had so many singles in the lead up to it that had kind of not done extremely well um, that it just kind of got lost in the... I have no explanation for it, really. Yeah. Apart from it just being... Yeah, just being overcrowded by Zara Larson attempts at a hit, but this isn't attempt at a hit. It should have been a huge hit. a, A ginormous hit. But in saying that, I think from of all the songs we're going to discuss today, I think that all the time is the most important. And I think that it's the song that I do think that like as much as pop fans liked Zara Larson, I don't think the diehards like the 
Carly Rae Jepsen and Tuve Lo and Charlie XCX crowd, you know, the really like intellectual mm. in, um, I'm doing inverted commas for that, but you know, the ones that think yeah. they're a higher tier pop fan. I don't I think do. she was resonating. The Sky with them. Ferreira fans. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she was resonating with them until all the time. And then it, it all kind of clicked and they realized like, she's a pop purist. She's an excellent, an excellent pop star. She just nailed that whole song, everything, like her vocal performance, her approach to it, um, her charisma, her personality, the video that she gave it, it was, everything just came together perfectly. And I think it was the one moment that people were like, okay, she can do whatever she likes now. She's proved herself as a really great pop star. And if she's not going to kick it up there on the charts, then we'll have her, we'll adopt her as our own and we'll carry her like we bloody do Carly Rae Jepsen because she deserves it now. And I think that's given her the freedom to go what, like, you know what, we're putting out an album poster girl, even though we haven't had a hit off it yet. Great words. So, um, yeah, I forgot I was, I was getting all heated up. All the time is my <laughs> vote, but I love Never Forget You as well. <laughs> all right. Our next battle we've got is So Good, lead single from So Good. Versus the newest one, Talk About Love, Feet, Young Thug. Was so sure good. Have some thoughts. Was so good lead single or was it title track? I don't remember. Title track. But it kind of came, it kind of announced the album, didn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think it did. Yeah. Well, here's my thoughts. I love So Good. I think it's a really nice song. It's a little bit more tender than the rest. It's a great example of Charlie Puth's songwriting ability and how he can sort of chameleon across, you know, different different artists. Um, I didn't even know it was him. Yeah, it's him and about eight other people. I think Lunch Money Lewis might be on it, I think. Um, It's like him, Lunch Money Lewis, uh, Jay Cash, who's written fucking everything under the sun, um, has now become Jason Derulo's new BFF. so it's a good crew on that That's song. That's always a slippery slope. Just yeah. ask Kyle Sanderland's former Jason Derulo BFF. What? What's that they were, su- they were always such good friends. Kyle Sanderland's and Jason Derulo? Uh-huh. Really? Hang on, let me Google that. <laughs> I know Lara Bingle and Jason Derulo were really good friends. Because he wrote Yeah, that, that was her Ick. Oh, sorry, it. I just stole your... Yeah, you stole my fact. That I still, yeah, I can't Carl Sanderland. Carl Sanderland says Jason Derulo cried in his arms over Lara Bingle. Oh my god! Jason. Yeah, he got hacked on Twitter this morning. Um, Jason Derulo. He called, did he? Yeah, it was really funny. The account um, tweeted out a DM from Imogen Heap from three weeks ago, asking <laughs> him to help her with something, and. <laughs> and tweeted James Charles calling him an, an F word and it was quite chaotic really? for a couple of hours there. Did Imogen yeah. Heap actually jump in his DM? It looks like it looked quite genuine. It's like I don't think we've ever spoken. So it's nice to actually talk. Oh, <laughs> anyway, back to the Can't topic wait at for hand. The Imogen a... Heap remix of Savage Love. <laughs> well, you know Imogen Heap was on Watch to Say, yeah? Imagine like the sample. Oh my god! Of course, yeah. No, yeah. I never put that together. Okay, That's that the makes connection. a lot more sense. Yeah. So they did that, and she hits him up now to say it hello. looks like it. Yeah, on December twentieth, twenty twenty. Um, 
yeah. hello, thank <laughs> you for meaning I don't have to work anymore. Because <laughs> that song's still getting rinsed. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. So good and love me land. Not love me land, so good and talk about love. So talk about love is the new song with Thugger. Um, I think they're kind of in a similar ilk in some ways. Um, very vocally driven. Mm. That said, I went back on So Good again this morning. I've had a few listens to talk about love in the last few days. I like it. I think Thug's a good... He's a good pop rapper. There's a few good ones. I think DaBaby is my current ultimate pop rapper. Um, yeah. But I think I think Thug is great as well. So Good. With t- it's t- Ties on So Good, yeah? Uh, ties on So Good, yeah. Yeah. I think I think So Good still stands up. I think it was one of the more tender and lovely moments and it probably could have done with a few more of those on the album So Good. Um, so I'm going to go So Good for that. Okay. Um, hmm. This one's hard for me. So I, I like So Good. I'm not obsessed with it. Mm. Um, not one of my fave Ty Dolla Sign features. Mm. Young Thug actually doesn't... Um, appear on pop songs very much i'm trying to think what his last one like havana obviously yeah i'm trying to think what else he's done and nothing's really coming to mind so but he's perfect for this song with her Mm. and again a move i don't really understand i think she could have carried the song by herself and i don't know what he really adds to it in terms of what her fan base are after that said i think it's it's a great song and it really suits like the neon lit vibe that Poster Girl is going with. Mm. Um, bit of a detour from Love Me Land and Wow, but still obviously showing a different side and also showing her maturity and showing some experimentalism and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it's a it's a clever choice uh, and a song that I really like. So at the moment, I'll go with Talk About Love, but I think we should talk about it in like two years time and see where I've landed on this because yeah. I do tend to favor the newer song. There's not a particular... Historically speaking. Yeah. I, I get the sense you don't have a particular passion for either of the two songs. I really like Talk About Love. I've listened to it a lot last, like over the, since it was released. Yeah, I right. think it would be my favorite song that was released like in the past week, but that's not really saying much. It's like, no, it's not, not crazy. <laughs> crazy release period for anyone hey except for one particular song that i think I we're know, gonna get gonna into say. later um because yeah. we are gonna do just for a bit of foreshadowing we are gonna do a new thing at the end where we look at um the flops of the week so bring it right to the present day so you've got that to look forward to shortly um but let's do our last song in the song game today our last one is symphony with and clean bandit Versus Love Me Land. Wow. Hard one. Very, very difficult one. Because they sit I'm in very different lanes. I'm interested in your lanes. thoughts in, in this. They sit in such different lanes. And that always makes it really difficult for me. I really love Symphony. I think it still stands up. It still gets a fair bit of radio play as well. Yeah. Um, at least in Australia. I think it does in the UK as well. So it was, a, it was a mega hit. It was on that clean bandit run of hits where they were just releasing something and it goes straight to number one. Um, yeah. You know, with, with Rockabye, etc. Um, so I really, really like that song. I Rockabye. I thought it, it sat really nicely in the Zara timeline as well. Like it wasn't too much of a detour, but it was like a little bit of an interesting look. She's done a feature on this, um, yeah. which I really like from a strategy perspective. Um, I 
I, I, I loved the video. Remember the video making me cry the first time I watched it. If you haven't watched it, get the tissues ready. It's pretty magic. Um, so love that. Love Me Land, I love for its daringness. I love for how out there it is. But I feel like, and again, ask me in two years and I'll tell you, but I feel like I keep going back to Symphony, whereas Love Me Land, and this is potentially because it's new um, and because it's, you know, I was rinsing it for a little bit late last year when it first dropped and now yeah. it's kind of dropped off my radar. I'm going to go Symphony just because it seems to be a bit more of a stayer. Okay. I understand that. This one's easy for me. Lo- like, obsessed with Love Me Land. After your words earlier, I'm not shocked. Apart from all the time, I think it's the best thing she's ever done. <laughs> I feel like it's a really, like, natural extension from the whole, like, future nostalgia disco pop thing that's been happening, but it, it's even more daring than that album. I think her voice has never sounded better or more interesting or more individual. Really like her teaming with Julia and Justin, Mm. particularly for a dance song like that. And I think the video clip in particular is just phenomenal. And I feel like naming an album Poster Girl, like you're going to have to give some good visuals. And I feel like there's going to be like some really good dancing in all of them. And even the talk about love clip, she's like having a little dance around, which is nice to see. So um, I have to go love me. I think it's so underrated. I really think, really think that it should have done better. But such is life. I'm glad you're flying the flag for Love Me Land. Someone needs to. And also, I will say, I feel like Love Me Land just got ditched because WoW had a little <laughs> bit of a moment in a silly little Netflix movie. And then yeah. They went with that. All right, well, let's so talk about that. They didn't even bother that. giving WoW a proper single cover at the time. So they really Literally. weren't betting much on it. And then let's discuss suddenly that. it was all they could talk about. Because we wanted to talk a little bit about the consistency of Zara as a performer and as a pop star and as a pop star that releases. And to me, the yeah. WoW moment late last year which came very close off the back of love me land was not getting much radio play on love me land not getting much love here oh shit this is going really well on netflix let's release it as a single let's go balls to the wall with this and see what it does and i had a bit of a tiktok moment as well that to me feels like it stinks of label bullshit first of all yeah but it it also just i think it just undermines the consistency of the sound that she's trying to build by going yeah. back a year, going to a, a, a bridging single that was basically a sync track. It'd be like Rita Ora releasing the song that she did for Absolute Vodka and then like putting out your song and then going, oh shit, Don't the vodka one's working because it's in a Netflix show. Let's put that to radio now. Don't I just, put it past her. I wouldn't put it past her. Rita Rita will skip if that song starts doing well in Australia Rita will be straight over no quarantine or anything you know she she, she doesn't bother with any quarantining she'd be straight over promoting it straight away swigging a bottle of vodka on the voice (laughs) yeah it's a it's a um it's an unfortunate thing that I think happened when, when, when WoW started working I think you know it's it's a fine song um, and I respect her, you know, going for what is working. But, yeah, I think it, it, there's an element of undermining that it did to what Love Me Land was trying to reset for her and to reestablish um, for yeah. her career. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that wow moment? Because I, I, I do understand it because I think coming off the back of, like, what happened with Lizzo, with um, Truth Hurts getting that sync in the that Netflix movie. Yeah. I um, can't remember what it's called, but it had the racist girl in it. 
And um, and so, so I get that that was kind of taking off, but I don't really think that's happening anymore. Like I haven't seen many examples of no. it for a while. And and WoW didn't really hasn't really taken off. I mean, it's done pretty well, and it definitely got a streaming boost. But I looked at it on Spotify, and it's not like close to a hundred million streams yet. No. So th- she. They tried to catch the, and I say she, but it was definitely her team. They tried to catch the wave and they were kind of either paddling way out in front of the wave or they were trying to get on a wave that was never really, really amounting to anything. And I do think that it, that it left Love Me Land in its shadows unnecessarily because Love Me Land had everything that a lead single could, should have, like it had a new kind of visual. It came out with a new i think there was a new logo involved there was obviously a very good music video yeah and then it was kind of all for nothing and now wow gets a spot on the album but all the time doesn't which i'm gonna need answers for that's a bit insane to me yeah and i think like yeah it just it just felt it felt stunty and it felt very forced on us Azara yeah. fans, when we were really excited about this new liberated feeling that she was kind of providing. And, and I, I think, yeah, you touch on the streaming numbers. I mean, it did nothing at radio and even at streaming when she's an artist nearing the billion club on Lush Life. She's at 937 million streams on Lush Life. Wow. And, and Wow's oh, on 64. By the end of the season. Yes, we will do it. Wow's get on it there by the end million. of the season and we will have Zara on the show. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm keen on that. So I think I think she's a yeah. The the project has been inconsistent at times, and it's been tempted to go in different ways. And I I really hope that that is done now, and that that doesn't continue yeah. happening, um, because it it seems to derail the vision and the brand when those things happen and when those opportunities pop up. And I understand it. I understand going for stuff whilst it's hot, and striking while yeah. the iron's hot, but I also think it, yeah, it definitely doesn't bode well for a consistent vision. That's for sure. I do like the idea now of Zara being in this lane where she can kind of explore what she wants to sonically without chasing hits so Mm. aggressively. Mm. And I think that always amounts to an artist making their best work. And then if it happens, it happens great. And it probably will for her because she's such a natural pop star. And I don't think she's like a a Carly Rae Jepsen type or a Charlie XCX type because I do think she has a lot of commercial appeal. But I also do think she has the kind of natural ability and the chops and the discography to really impress a lot of hardcore pop fans as well. So she can coast in that kind of zone for a little while and pick up some good critical attention with poster girl, which I think she will, then it's going to bode well for her in the future because I think she can only do better from trusting her own instincts rather than chasing some kind of cheap chart moment, which her career never begun by chasing a, a chart moment. I don't think Never Forget You was ever a song that people were listening to at the beginning thinking, like, this is a guaranteed number no. one. No. No, it was unconventional, wasn't it? It was different. Yeah. It wasn't what you expect from a chart here. I think we spend a lot of time, Sam, in this in this episode and in some episodes, we spend a lot of time in the what-if world, which I like. We, <laughs> we, we, we kind of spend a lot of time envisioning what could have been, what should have been, reorganising strategies. What I'd love to do is spend a, just a tiny bit of time in the what did happen category in terms yeah. of what this album actually did for her career and what this album yeah. represents in 2021 
for the pop star that we know as Zara Larson. What are your kind of overall overarching thoughts about what this album represents for her now? So I think when I think of um, what position she was in when she was releasing Real My Life, I think she was in a good position. Yeah. I think that people were genuinely excited about her. She was the kind of name that radio programmers were going to stop at if they saw her on a list. Like she was in a good position. In saying that, I don't think that's because of the album. Mm. I think the momentum she had before the album was maintained, but it wasn't necessarily elevated. Yeah. When you think of um, that she was on such a streak when she had Lush Life, Never Forget You, Symphony, yeah. um, even Ain't My Fault, I Would Like, they all did extremely well in the UK and in Australia. By the time the album came, she'd kind of already exhausted it. Yeah. So I think it just gave her a little bit of promo time in the spotlight, but didn't necessarily give her another big boost. Mm. And maybe there were moments on there. There was that um, ballad that she did as a single. Funeral? No, Don't Let Me Be Don't Let Me yours. Be Me. Don't Let Me Be Yours. Some, yeah, I'm- which I think potentially could have done well, but maybe it was a bit of Zara fatigue at that time. Mm. She was already like really packing out the, the kind of radio charts. And so I think it's hard then to bag another hit. Yeah. I feel like when you've got artist fatigue, you... Putting a ballad out is the worst thing you can do. I think when there's mm. artists, like I think back to like a Rihanna or someone who might have had like four or five songs off an album. If we're about to get to the fatigue state, don't put a ballad out, put a bop out instead. Yep. I think about Pink as well. I remember Bad Influence off Funhouse was like the seventh single or something. And if, yep. it, was a, if it was a ballad, I genuinely reckon it would have been Pink Overload. But because it was fun, it was good. And I think that's the, that's the antidote to... Artist fatigue, put a bop out, did, p- put some fun out. Did Katy Perry's um, one that got away ever do very well? Because I feel like that was like her 97th single off Teenage Dream. Good point. I think it did do pretty well, but I wouldn't say it's a particularly ballady thing. Like it's ba- more a power yeah, it ballad. Does have a bit of a, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, my life would suck without you. Um, just to bring up your favourite. We albums. always find a way to bring um, these episodes back to <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Back to Queen Flop Star, <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> Next week's episode is purely on her child, who we are already calling a flop. Yeah. <laughs> Daisy, poor Daisy Dove Bloom. Must use all three words. Must use all three words. <laughs> Nick, I'm ready for a game. I'm ready for your game. I've missed them. It. I've missed feeling completely bewildered and in the dark. <laughs> And this is exactly how I expect you to feel today. I knew it. Okay. And we're going to, I want to make it a rapid fire game because I do have about 10 options here. Um, okay. And I, I like them all. Now, So Good is the name of the Zara Larson album. However, it shares a name with an Australian brand produced by the Sanitarian Company. Oh my God, I was soy hoping milk. you would say this. It's yeah. a soy milk brand as well. I believe So Good is also their umbrella brand for all of their uh, non-dairy milks. So we're talking your yeah. almond milk. I think they do a, a sort of coconut situation as well. Um, might even be a, so good. Yeah, no, it's all the nut milks basically is what they Killing call Killing the non-dairy game for the longest time. And so they should. I have uh, <laughs> deducted a series of reviews uh, of the album. 
and I've also deducted some bits from reviews of the milk. And you would be surprised the amount of passionate people about so good soy milk. A lot of positive reviews. And I won't lie, I've yeah. got it in my fridge. I've got it. I should go and get it. I love prop, so good. Going You'll to. get a positive review from me. Good. And I'm really glad I'm going to get that from you because I think it's my favourite. So I'd love... I'm going to read out a series of parts of reviews, not whole reviews, just sort of words, phrases, occasional sentences, and I need you to guess whether mm-hmm. they are about Zara Larson's So Good or the So Good Soy Milk. Are we ready to start? I'm so ready. Material lets her down. Is that about the milk or the woman? <laughs> back, if baby. people are giving her... <laughs> As a pronoun. Yeah. To so good milk. Yeah. God bless them. That's the energy we need. Iconic. I I think that's a Zara Larson review, but please be a so good review. It's a Zara Larson review. Yeah. Great work. (laughs) Next one. No issues, was it? No issues, was it? Was it? I think they meant to say with. Potentially a poorly written review, or um, yeah, I, I think that that probably would have been picked up in editing if it, wait are these fan yeah. reviews of the album or a are couple are fan only... reviews yes oh well that makes it tough now but mostly critical reviews okay i gotta be quick i'm gonna go yeah. um that's a so good review you are correct no issues was yes. it is a review of so okay. good i'm gonna get all 10 i've decided someone called jenny was very passionate sugar soaked Sugar soaked. Remember, there is a sweetener. I think sweetened that I read this review of, of. I think I read this review of Zara. Otherwise, it would have been a very good one. Zara. It is Zara, and I also noticed about two minutes ago that it was in the briefing notes on the rundown, so I should have removed it. But I wanted to see if you would remember it. Uh, okay, here we go. Didn't like it. Maybe not my type of taste. Decided to give it a go, but it is up to taste preference. Is that about Zara Larson's album, So Good, or is it about the So Good Milk? That's a very good one. That could be either. I know. I feel like it was a, like, rock dog trying out Zara for the first time and trying to pretend that they're they're not a pop fan at heart. Yeah, get you. It's not. It's a review of the milk, the So Good Milk. But I liked your thinking there. I like seeing you think outside the box. Thank you. Of so good milk. <laughs> the cart outside the carton. Um, now this one's a, this one is also it could be either. It is a great dairy milk substitute. We use it for regular drinking, cooking, and baking. Is that a oh, review? That's ridiculous. Of- <laughs> if that's a Zara last. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I have never tried using the physical version of so good the album as a substitute for dairy milk. And for drinking, cooking, and baking. I did used to think So Good tasted a bit like cardboard, so maybe um, that could replicate the flavour. It could. It very well could. Your answer, please. I don't have to give you my answer. You can just tell me the right It's the So Good Milk. It's a review of the So Good Milk. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, I really disliked this. Is that a review of Milk or is that a review of Zara? Well, that's very hard. I know. Um. I feel like it's quite easy to dislike So Good, the milk, not so easy to really dislike So Mm. Good, the album. If anything, you're going to be 
nonchalant about it. So I'm yeah. going to say it's a review of the milk. Not like a passionate disdain yeah. of the album, but you may be passionately disdainful towards the milk. I think if you're standing milk, mm. you're not going to be that happy about soy milk on your yeah. first taste. Yeah, but get you. I get you, particularly, yeah, if you're a full cream kind of person. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, really. Your thinking like, is, your thinking is, <laughs> your thinking is correct. <laughs> it's Yay. milk. All right, we've got four more to go. Wait, five. Oh, Jesus. All right, we'll run through them quickly. Uplifts the spirit. Is that about the So Good Milk or the album? <laughs> That was either Delta Goodrum talking about Delta So Goodrum when she did that little um, promo up oh with God, them. I, forgot I've done I feel that. like she'd bring that kind of positivity to soy milk. Delta or, so or I think Zara's album could be uplifting. I'm going to go with Zara's So Good. I agree. It's about the album. Congratulations, Good. it does uplift the spirit. That was a fan review. Um, it is a bit intense for a Now, this one's a particularly difficult one. I think you might... Oh, I shouldn't have foreshadowed it because you might get it right oh. now. Now I'm going to second guess myself. And, and you, I think you will be because this is a difficult one. We often use this in our cooking as one of my children have a dairy allergy. Is that about <laughs> so good milk or... <laughs> I think you've had like soy milk, almond milk, oat milk. The next milk is easily Zara milk from leftover <laughs> coffees of So Good. All distilled. That is, of course, about the So Good milk variety. In danger of dating quickly. Is that about Zara Larson's album or the best before date on a packet of So Good soy milk? Sorry, can you repeat that? In danger of dating quickly. I mean, that's very good for you to pick that one out. Yeah, thank you. Um, Because both of them are in danger of dating quickly. They are. Soy milk, because um, it does come with a best before date. Mm. Zara, the album doesn't come with the best before date, but Mm. people like to call pop music a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm... I'm, mm. Mm. I'm going to go with Zara on that. You're really good at this game. Congratulations, you yes. are correct. Yes. Good value for money. Also, Sorry, I you think, go. Um, we do have a TikTok now. Oh, yeah, we've got a TikTok. Heard. We do oh, yeah. have a TikTok We should have promoted it. So if you can make um, a TikTok of you trying to milk Zara Larson's So Good, the album. That's a great idea. I've please got the send CD. it to us. I've got it's it on CD. It's the Zara So Good Drum Challenge. <laughs> And we're going to send So Good back to the top of the charts. Imagine that. We thought WoW was going far back. No, she's going to really have to. We're going back to So Good. From... Thank you, Lunch Money. <laughs> good value for money. Is that a review of Zara's album or of So Good Soy Milk? Second last one. I mean, amazing. nowadays that it's all streaming, you're hardly going to say an album's value for money, are you? But five years ago, you know, there was still some decent CD sales going on. Nah, you're trying to talk me off the scent. It's milk. It's milk. Congratulations. And the final one in the game. You may have a clean streak here, but curveball no, is I coming. I got one wrong. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Sorry. I really dislike this. I think you did. <laughs> okay. It's creamy and delicious and perfect on a bowl of cereal. Is that So Good Soy Milk or Zara Larson's <laughs> album? Final one. <laughs> 
bring it home. <laughs> Prove to us that it's Zara Larson's album. Please do. I need to go find it. It's Soy Milk. Congratulations. You did a great job. Woo! That game takes fucking ages. I won't do 10 next time. <laughs> Usually you're out here doing the absolute bare minimum for a game and then you come through with a 10 ounce a game. I couldn't cut it down. I couldn't do it. (laughs) Well, that's all we've got for you now because the podcast is going for about two hours long. (laughs) Thanks to your who wants to be a millionaire sized game. (laughs) We should have those lights for the games. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Yes. Surprise, surprise. Um, Nick, (laughs) for fifty thousand dollars, are there any singles on the? Are there any songs on the album that could have been singles? A, make that money. (laughs) (laughs) It's two nothing. Make that money, girl. Is my issue with it. It's too. It doesn't say anything to me. Okay, we said we weren't going to get nasty in this episode. Um, I think "Don't Let Me Be Yours" could have been pushed harder because it is really yeah. nice. It kind of sits in the so good territory for me. Um, and "Sundown" potentially only due to the context of what mm. the music sounded like at the time. If she really wanted to double down and go for that dance hall kind of thing, it had Wizkid on it. It was also on a couple of other tracks at the time. Um, was really kind of emerging as a, a huge artist. Um, and I think I think potentially could have worked to her favour in terms of what radio was doing at the time. But that's only if she wanted a radio hit. If she wanted, you know, a streaming hit, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's what yeah. I would make singles. What about you? Yeah, I reckon the opener, what they say, could have been a, a mm. single. I yep. think that's the strongest non-single track, apart from Make That Money Girl, Yeah, um, obviously. So, yeah, that's my answer. Do you think that there's any... Cla- I know she worked with so many on this album, but do you think there's any that she particularly resonates with? I think there's I, some cons- I would, for one, say MNEK needs to be on this new record. You read my mind. There's some consistency there now with with Uzo yeah. and Zara. They they seem to just get each other. And I think a lot of that a lot of that is owing to to Amenike as well, being such a great, you know, communicator and um, you know, a great person to be around in the studio. I mean, there's no one Can that doesn't speak high, incredibly highly of what he's like to be around and make songs with. Um and yeah, I think if we look at um yeah, we look at Never Forget You. We look at Ain't My Fault. By the way, I don't know how I've gotten through this whole podcast without going on a rant about how great Ain't My Fault is. That is just a perfect. Yeah, it's been left behind, and that's a many K. Yeah, that's it? a many K. And they oh, they had a Can version of it that was much raunchier that got cut at the last minute. Um, oh, see, that's what she needs. Yeah, but she was like, "This is." Can isn't you imagine me. if Zara like, did sw- um, Sweet Melody? Oh my god, insane! And now that we know that that I mean, was shocked around. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, we know that got shopped around to so many people as well. Like I would have loved Surely to see it that come on Surely it would have landed on her doorstep. I, I reckon 100%. Um, yeah, I think that. I think the Justin and Julia thing I'd like to see continued as well. Um, you yeah. know, Justin and Julia are fantastic, whatever they're doing. But I think there, there seems to be a... Yeah, there seems to be something cool there. I think Justin and Julia's energy is probably right for her as well. They get it. They're smart, sharp, funny people. So... Um, yeah. yeah, I think those collaborators. I think I'd just like to see Zara collaborate more 
and actually be in the room yeah. and make the music yeah. um, with these people. I think when she co-writes and when she's actually on the writing credits, the songs are really, really good. And she's funny yeah. and she's sassy and she's smart. And I think she... I'd love to hear more songs with her on them. And I think her record label's going to give her that freedom to actually be on the, the co-writes. Um, I think that's a really important part of, of what she can potentially move forward on as a pop star. I would love to hear her in the room with someone like Tuve Lo or Alma or like one of those songwriters yeah. who really gets putting personality into a song. Yeah. Because I think that Zara Strong, she's so like funny and sharp on social media. Yeah. It'd be great to see that come through. And I think it did somewhat on Love Me Lamb with some of the like interesting words that they used. Yeah. Um, and obviously like if you're saying there was a dirtier version of Ain't My Fault, maybe it would have there. But yeah, it would be nice to hear somebody who's a little bit risky, risque as a songwriter. That's it. I think Ain't My Fault showed, you know, that, that story about Ain't My Fault, for example, showed that there is some real pressure on her to not be as sharp as her brain actually is. Um, yeah. So I would have loved to see that happen. But Ain't My Fault still stands out. I reckon it's the best song on the album. Um and it's yeah. one, one of the best Zara songs up there, top three at least, for sure. Great song. Okay, let's move on to a game, another game. Mm-hmm. Mine's quite similar to yours, actually, this week. Classic. Uh, we are going to do Zara or Zara Larson. So okay. this is either a review of Zara, the fast fashion clothing store, mm-hmm. or a lyric from a Zara Larson song. Great. Zara, are you the ready? favourite of Alaria Baldwin. <laughs> Of course. Of course she would love a Spanish chain. Love Spanish. Our Spanish queen, Hilaria. I didn't you know, know Zara um, was until I, I recently I recently drove to her house <gasps> to have a look um, really? in Southampton and there were paparazzi outside and later that day they were they were photographed taking a walk. But <gasps> I did not see Hilaria. Really saw Hilaria Maybe Baldwin. I would have had more luck if I'd gone to Madrid. <laughs> Anyway, let's play this game. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Okay. The first one is, I'd be lying if I told you that I hate it. Ooh. I'd be lying if I told you that I hate it. Oh, it feels like a... Oh, actually, no. I think I know this is a Zara lyric. Like a Zara Larson lyric. I think it's on one of the more raunchy tracks on the album. I can't remember which one. It's not on the album. Oh. Oh, no. I just gave it away then. It's Zara Larson's song lyric. <laughs> it is, is it on but it's, my an life? Unrele- it's an unreleased MNEK and Zara song oh. that I've never heard called Back and Forth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that, uh, but I haven't. Okay. If anyone legal is listening. Um, never heard it. Okay. <laughs> the next one is They're Beautiful. We can look at them for hours. They're, they're beautiful. They are. Is this about Zara and a collaborator? Is it about a person who uses they them pronouns? Is it about well, a pair it's of a, shoes? It's either a Zara lyric or a review, don't forget. Zara could be using they pronouns in some songs. You never know. No, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Erasure. That's what we call that. Cancelled. Time to jump on Twitter like Lana and have a go at Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this is Zara, the fast fashion brand, and it's about a pair of shoes. This is a lyric from Zara Larson and BTS's A Brand New Day. 
your evil throwing yeah. me off throwing me off that was, that surprised me that I could get that lyric out of her yeah okay next one I know not to bother my fat ass ordering again <laughs> you're doing the same thing back on me <laughs> with the milks <laughs> I'm going to go Zara the fashion brand for that one. <laughs> or a Zara Larson tweet. One of the two. It is, but can't you imagine Zara singing like oh, something like that? Yes. I know not to bother my fat yeah. ass ordering again. Oh my it ain't God. my I'm, fault. That's, <laughs> that's going on TikTok. <laughs> the, next, the next one is, well, you better hurry up. This is the last time. It's either a review of the delivery time from Zara the store across the pandemic or a Zara Larson lyric. I'm going to say Zara Larson lyric for this one. This is a review of Zara. It's a review from a customer who was particularly disgruntled because they usually check their tracking every day, but because it was taking longer than a week, they stopped checking their tracking uh, and then missed the parcel delivery. (laughs) Had to get the puzzle redirected back to them and then missed it again. Um, and oh were very cranky God. when Zara told them this was the last time that they could have the package delivered. <laughs> that's fair. Like, you know, three strikes that's and fair. you're out kind of rule. I think that's valid. Okay, the final one is, I hate it. I can't believe I'm saying it. Ooh. It would, I like the idea of rhyming it, it with it. Um... I'm going to say that that's a Zara Larson lyric for the final one. You are correct. That is a a lyric from Zara Larson's funeral. Of course it is. Revered ballad of her international debut. So good. Yes. I'm pretty happy with my performance on that. We both did well with the games today. Well done. Let us know how you went at Sam underscore interns on Twitter. I actually don't care, so don't. Commented on our TikTok. It's done now. This game's in the past for me. Um, (laughs) Okay. So as we do every week now, we're going to rate the song out of 10 and we're going to give a best and worst song from the album. So if you would like to go first, you may. Otherwise, you can ask me to do the same. You You go first this time. Okay. So I'm giving the album a 7 out of 10. I'm saying that the best song is <laughs> making final <laughs> checks, cross-checking the best never... <laughs> The best song <laughs> is "Never Forget You," um, and the worst song is, mm. if you'll allow me just to do a, a little refresh of what it's called, the um, the worst song is "I Can't Fall in Love Without You," the last song. I'd put that up there as well as the worst. That's some good decisions from you. Seven's a great score. Seven's very positive. Yeah. I'd go... I, you know what? I'll concur with you on that score, actually. I think seven's appropriate. Seven's appropriate because it's neither here nor there for me as one of the great albums of all time, but it doesn't fall down. I'm going to put... Yeah. Uh, Ain't My Fault as the best song on the album, which I think I foreshadowed. Yeah. Just banger from the moment that school bell rings at the start. Worst song... Make That Money Girl with a very close second f- of one, one Mississippi. You cannot say Make That Money Girl is the worst Make song on the money. album. 
make that money, make that money, girl. Of course, you dislike the feminist anthem on that. Yeah, that's the, the reason. I, I just don't like the lyrics in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's You're, me. You feel uncomfortable with women in power. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't wait for you to start slagging off just in for anyone that... and <laughs> off air. As I generally do, I just go on anti-feminist rants before the show. It's my general general thing that I do. That is um that is so good by Zara Larson. Flop stars style. Um, love to know your thoughts. Yep. At Flop Stars on TikTok. Oh, we can say that now. Oh, no, wait, it's at Flop Stars Pod. And if anyone knows the person that's got the Flop Stars handle, if we can have it, that'd be lovely. Thank you for your time. Isn't Pod the um, British TV show where they go in and Pod. like Pod's really nasty to them and like does them over, does a makeover? Pod. And they're like, stop it, Pod. Is it an anime, <laughs> like a kid's show, like an animated show? No, it's like I'm it's like a Trini like a and Susanna and thing. Apart from Trini and Susanna are like oh. a, a pod, and they walk into this thing. It's like in the middle of some dull oh. British town, and they go in and, and All of them. Um, Pod makes them over, but Pod's very nasty to them. Is Pod a man? So I don't know. Pod is like ambiguous. Is Pod like a? Is Pod a human? No, pod is like a giant like dome kind of thing that they go in and it just talks to them like it's not. A it's like a robot, <laughs> like a robot dome. <laughs> this is on track. This to show, be our sounds ever episode, <laughs> this show sounds fucked. Show sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> Watch pod. Or it's maybe it's just your really funny, really un, <laughs> really undescriptive <laughs> description of it that took me a minute to work out what the fuck you were even talking about. <laughs> It is. It's. I'm just looking it up. Oh, I don't no, know. What, I don't need you to look it up. I don't. The pod. I'm not gonna watch friendly. Pod. I... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's called. I don't pod. care about your review of pod. I'm not gonna watch pod. <laughs> There's also a sex version called Sex Pod. Young people enter the Sex Pod where they can oh, feel that, free to ask questions on any aspect of sex or sexual health. Oh, that sounds kind um, of good. But unconfirmed that the show I'm talking about is called Pod. So if anyone knows what it's called, just let us know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. Okay, let's finish. Okay. We need to do this quickly because we're really like we this are is really on over. track to be the longest episode ever. <laughs> um, but it is season three, so it's a it's a celebration up in here. Um, okay, so th- for this new segment because that's exactly what we need a new segment to bloat the episode more we are going to talk about a song that we think is flopping right now that shouldn't be um that we're quite fond of and it's got to be a recent song so i'm just going to kick it off because i'm ready to roll my flop of the week is uh troy savan and casey musgraves easy which i think is a excellent excellent song and it's been criminally underrated and it's been lost in all the christmas hoopla um but i think it should do very well and it should be given more of a push very good song very good video two excellent artists uh so that's my flop of the week that's an excellent choice i'm going to go with madison beer boy shit now it's taken me a while to get on board with madison beer she yeah. big social following, quite big on TikTok. She's been releasing some really Sounds like freaking an IPA to me. 
<laughs> it's from Madison. Um, yeah, she had some really great kind of independent stuff, um, but recently, yeah, signed with I think RCA or one of the big record labels and doing releasing just bangers. And this song, Boy Shit, yeah. um, another really great emerging pop star called Upsoul co-wrote it. It's a big, fast bouncy banger one of those real turn it up in the car kind of songs and i haven't really seen it moving the needle too much so i'd like to see some more from that after we get over the olivia rodrigo situation can we just give a quick i know it's not a new music podcast quick little chat yeah can we have a quick little chat about what's happening about a song that is absolutely tanking yeah it's not going well at all not going well at all on track to be the, I mean, what are the records it's going? It's on track for. It's had it's, it's had the biggest I mean, Spotify single day ever. Um, yeah, it's gonna. Ha- it's apparently gonna debut with more points on the Billboard Hot 100 here than what WAP did, um, and it's gonna be right up there with BTS's Dynamite. So we're talking like mega stan shit for an artist who, before this week, to my knowledge, did not have a huge fan base. She obviously she's a Disney gal, so she had a fan base, but. I don't think anyone was expecting these numbers. The predict the predictions just keep getting better and better and better. And it's like an example of a song that's just very good. That's spreading like wildfire for that very reason, which doesn't happen very often. It's very exciting to watch as a pop fan. It's really cool. It's a really exciting time. The The records it's looking at breaking. She's only 17 at the start of her career as well. And it's just excellent songwriting and it's not an overdone song. It's her and Dan Nigro who uh, worked on the on the Conan Gray stuff and the Sky Ferreira stuff. Um, who's oh, just been that a, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's just been a really yeah. under under. I don't want to say underrated because the music the, the music he has made has been lauded. Um, he has been a he's been consistent but not loud. He's not been one yeah. of those guys that's on everything. He's very selective and he chooses the right stuff and he makes the right stuff. And yeah. I think I, I like looking, you know, we're looking back at a chaotic kind of artist career so far and then we're just looking at the simplicity of this hit. It's just excellent songwriting, sung really magically, produced perfectly, a little bit of a story to go with it and it catches on like wildfire for the basis of the fact it's a great song and that it's moving. And that is so, how you make a pop hit. So this is your warning, Olivia. <laughs> You're doing very well right now. Do not end up on flop stars. <laughs> You've got a good start. <laughs> it just takes one witness and you'll be right and you'll, you'll be right on here. <laughs> New episodes of Flop Stars up every Thursday. I think we're gonna keep that as a consistent thing now. Um yeah. Which we're excited about. So hold us to it. So we will be back in your feed next Thursday. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or follow on the Spotify app. And also jump on our TikTok at FlopStarsPod. We're going to chuck up some of the little mini snippet bits across the week. Um, and, and tell a friend about the podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you've got pop stands in your life, if you've got Zara stands in your life that are excited about this next album. <laughs> People that have know. an hour and 20 minutes to spare. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is perfect for the train I take to Sydney. Exactly an hour and 20 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> podcast is made exclusively for Gosford commuters. <laughs> Gosford and Wollongong commuters. This is the podcast for you. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, Nick. Have a good, have a lovely week. And you, Sam. Bye, all. Bye.